All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. You got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Man, it feels so good to win. Oh my gosh, I don't know how else I can describe it. It just feels so good to win. Even though you're expected to win and you hope to win and on paper you should win, it's so great to win. 
it's even better to win going away, to have a decisive win in a ball game that was pretty much decided really after one quarter of play. I mean, State had to kind of put it away there in the second quarter. But how great is it to be able to put somebody away and then be able to sit back and enjoy the rest of the ball game? I love a great ball game. I also love it when Mississippi State wins big. I'm much. I'll trade the blowout anytime for the rest of it. I don't need that late-minute drama. I don't know if my heart can take it. I'm getting old. Love to see State go out there and do some big things. We're gonna have a good time today. It's gonna be a good show. A lot to talk about. A lot of wild things around the SEC that have happened. I don't know, are you looking at this news about Michael Divinity, the linebacker from LSU? The week of the Alabama game, LSU dismisses Michael Divinity for what they're calling, you know, a, you know, I guess you would say a violation of team rules. But, man, how bad does that have to be? What did that kid have to do to get kicked off the team the week of the Alabama game with a, a game that is essentially a, a playoff game for all intents and purposes? This is kind of the de facto SEC West championship game. And this kid gets kicked off? The winner of this game... I believe is going to play off. And the loser of this game might go too. Because I think both of these teams are capable of beating Georgia and the SEC East, and we'll get into that a little bit later too. We'll talk a little bit about the things that happened over the weekend. As the Georgia Bulldogs now have the inside track to get to Atlanta. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot of intrigue around the league, to say the least. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. For their support of the show, they allow us to bring you the latest, greatest, and coolest information about the Mississippi State Bulldogs, the premier athletics program in the state of Mississippi. Bulldog Burger Company is the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District. Been here a while. Committed to Mississippi State, committed to the greater Starkville area. They will give you a great restaurant-quality hamburger whenever you're in town. Go by and find your own favorites, now available in Tupelo. Getting rave reviews from our friends in Tupelo that said they're so happy to have a Bulldog Burger Company of their own. It is no longer just a game day destination for them. It is just a great opportunity to bring a family out for a quality meal and a quality experience. I encourage you to go find your own favorites at Bulldog Burger Company. My favorite right now remains the Lauren. Also, the spring rolls. The spring rolls will make you better looking, and we all need that. We need to look better, and we need the people around us to look better. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and now Tupelo, where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's unpack this ball game, shall we? Let's look, get into the uh, the game that was at Arkansas. I'm sure many of you probably have watched it again for a second time. I, I, I have watched a little bit of it. There are a lot of things you miss if you don't watch the broadcast. You know what I'm saying? It's like you watch the game in person and you want to go back and watch it, watch the broadcast, and you can see the replay and you can kind of see how some things went down. But in person and on television... The review is the same. Mississippi State wins 54-24. to 24. The big surprise, and, and Dave Murray and I kind of hinted at this, and I, and I, I kind of hinted at it on Friday's show. I told you guys that I was 100% sure you were going to see some new wrinkles. And I also mentioned, too, you're going to see some elements of the Bulldog offense you probably hadn't seen in a month or so. That's the fact that Tommy Stevens is now healthy. Tommy Stevens goes out last Saturday and really kind of picked up where he was prior to the injury. It's as simple as that. It it is amazing 
how much better the team looks when your starting quarterback is healthy. And, and you know, that kind of goes without saying. You, know, you, you think that would be an obvious observation, but apparently it's not. You get the starting quarterback healthy. The guy, the fifth-year senior, the guy that won the job in fall camp, you get him back and he's healthy. And the next thing you know, the offense is running proficiently. You're able to make some plays down the field in the passing game. You have a couple of running backs that go for career-high rushing totals. Now, granted, let's let, let's be fair, okay? Mississippi State looked better on offense. You know, Arkansas, not a juggernaut. Certainly not a defensive uh, masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination. But Mississippi State did what Mississippi State should have done in that ball game, and, and many of us, including me, expect it to be a much closer game, closer game than it proved to be. Because I wasn't exactly sure what to expect from Tommy Stevens, to be honest. You know, he tried to play through all this Kansas State game. It didn't look right. He comes back against Tennessee. Didn't look right. Got hurt against Auburn. You know, and so it's been it's been just kind of a you know a litany of injuries with Tommy. And so I just I wasn't sure what to expect. We got the best version of Tommy. They had some design quarterback runs for him that really opened some things up. And and, and for those of you that maybe weren't in attendance on Saturday, yeah, I'm, I'm on the sidelines there shooting pictures. And uh, the Arkansas team was surprised. I don't think they were just surprised at the fact that Tommy Stevens started. I mean, because if, if you watch warm-ups, he was working with the first team. And you probably saw some of that social media commentary about that. That uh, that you know he was working with first team in warmups. Garrett Schroeder was working some with the second team. So I'm sure there's somebody at Arkansas on the bench made notice of that. Said, "Hey, coach, Seven's out there running with the ones. What do you think that means?" Well, it was a little late for them to adjust. That's one of the things that I have said most of, most of the year. It, it, we're just a different offense with Tommy because of the the ability to attack the deep third. Garrett's got the arm to do it. But he's just not as polished a passer, nor should he be, because Tommy Stevens is a fifth-year senior. Garrett Schrader is a true freshman. Garrett will get to that level. Garrett will be able to make those deep connections. And there's been a couple times that he's thrown the ball deep and our receivers just haven't made the play. But, uh, but Tommy keeps those safeties honest. You can't walk those safeties in the box. You know what that opens up? That opens up the running game. Then all of a sudden you begin to kind of shade Kyle and Hill, then that opens up the quarterback run. And so we saw the best of Mississippi State offensively on Saturday. I'm not going to sit here and apologize on behalf of Arkansas. They are a Southeastern Conference team that has beaten us on the recruiting trail the last couple of years. And, and, and to that end, I don't know what it is about. It's like Chad Morris has tried to pick a fight with Joe Moorhead. I got a good friend of mine that kind of pointed some things out to me that I'd kind of forgotten. He goes, you know, Arkansas never really recruited in the state of Mississippi until Chad Morris got there. I mean, yeah, they sometimes they would kind of recruit the greater Memphis area. And some, so as a result, they dip down to Olive Branch sometimes. But, you know, Olive Branch is basically part of Memphis. But the next thing you know, they're out, they're out in Alabama. They took Miles Mason from us. And, you know, they're out there going head-to-head with us and kind of rattling sabers. I don't know what it was, but it's like Chad Morris has just decided to pick a fight with Joe Moorhead. And Joe's put up half a hundred on him in back-to-back years. Chad Morris is very fortunate that Steve Robertson was not calling the plays in the second half of that ball game because, Chad, 
I would have ensured they'd have fired you before the postgame press conference. You and Chief both would have been sitting outside the stadium in the cold air uh, with your suitcases waiting for the bus to come get you because I would have put up 100. It's frustrating. That's, that's nothing against Arkansas. But it's frustrating as things have been this year offensively. When you get out there in the left-hand lane, you just put the hammer, put the metal to the uh, Pardon me, my goodness. <laughs> you lay the hammer down. You put the pedal to the metal. And you stay in that left-hand lane and you pass everybody. And I, I, I might have had the backup quarterback in there throwing deep because when you finally get a chance to stretch your legs a little bit, man, how great does it feel? It was a different team coming off that field on Saturday. Not just because of the win, because, listen, I, I think if we had won that ball game 28-10, 28-17, everybody would have felt good. But watching us put up, you know, 54 points and doing it with ease, there was just a sense of relief and confidence in the Mississippi State Bulldogs. It was just different. It was a different feeling. There was so many. It's, and I don't know if it's just relief or maybe it's the thing, the realization, you know what, we got our quarterback back and he's ready. We didn't, you know, we, we rushed him back a couple times. And listen, let's be honest, Tommy Stevens is a human being. And I'm sure Tommy Stevens said, you know what, I have worked my whole life to be a starting college quarterback and I finally have it and I'm not going to let this injury in my shoulder slow me down. And he, and he got back out there a little bit too early to the, to the detriment of the team. Okay. Well, now he's had some time off, and Garrett Schrader's gone up there and done some good things and really kind of navigated through a very difficult stretch of October. Well, we didn't win a game. And then Garrett Schrader last week, and I was told on Thursday that Garrett Schrader on Wednesday was having some flu-like type symptoms and just didn't feel right and uh, some dehydration, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, all the stuff that goes with that. And then he came back on Thursday and tried to go again and, and had some of the similar issues. And Tommy ran the, with the ones on both Wednesday and Thursday after Garrett was out. And because of that mispractice time and the fact that, that Garrett was a little bit weak, a little bit under the weather, they made the decision to go with Tommy. But Garrett was available on Saturday. But obviously with Tommy rowing the way that he was, you're not going to go ahead and, you, you're gonna go ahead and you know, preserve the weekend and let the kid rest. Now, as Moorhead said in a postgame, we've got two weeks to kind of figure this thing out. I don't think, you know, there's anything to figure out. And I know that no matter what you do, there's going to be people that say, well, you know, Garrett won the job, and then he gets sick, and then Tommy comes back. You know, well, you know, Tommy won the job in the fall, and then he got injured, tried to come back. And so the great thing is, is that we have two quarterbacks that are, I think, capable of winning a couple more ball games for us in the regular season. I really believe you could beat Abilene Christian and Ole Miss with Garrett Schrader as your quarterback. I believe that a healthy Tommy Stevens will blow both of them out. Yeah, I said it. I think Tommy Stevens at 100% or close to 100% has this offense at a different level. And I don't know that Ole Miss can score with us. And I'm quite certain Abilene Christian can't. But before we get there, we got to go play Alabama. Before that happens, we get a chance to enjoy the bye week. We get a chance to kind of rest up and get everybody healthy. It'll be an abbreviated schedule this week. You know, they'll, Coach Moore had no press conference today. You know, they'll they'll work with some of the young kids. The coaches will be on the road recruiting this weekend. The players will have an opportunity to go home, 
put their feet under mama's table a little bit, have a good time. And I think it's by week comes for us at a really good time. Number one, we're not all beat up. You know, the first by week, we really were. We really were beat up. You know, we kind of got everybody back last week. You know, Stuart Reese, not quite 100%, but he'll be good to go. We'll get ready to play Alabama. You know, Greg Island, not quite 100%, but he'll be good to go. But, you know, to be fair, I really felt like that offensively, we have found something with LaQuinston Sharp. That offensive line play has settled since he has worked his way into the lineup. It was really in that second half of the Texas A&M game they made the decision to stick with LaQuinston Sharp at right guard. And then this past weekend, you had Sharp at right guard and Tommy Champion at right tackle. I really thought we played with a very physical edge on the offensive line. The strength of the Arkansas defense is the front four, really on the interior. But I thought we, we controlled the line of scrimmage. So... The last six quarters with LaQuinston Sharp and Tommy Champion running the right side has been good. Colin Hill was very quick to praise the offensive line. So you know what? Big boys up front making a move. And Colin Hill today announces the SEC Offensive Player of the Week. No surprise there, but very well-deserved honor. He now leads the uh, SEC, continues to lead the SEC in rushing. Got a little more margin for error now. Colin Hill was on the way of having an all-SEC type season, as many of us expected. Had a little, uh, you know, hiccup in the road there a couple times. Last two weeks, been much better. Now, if he can go up and put up 150 yards against Alabama, you know, goodness, (laughs) what a day that would be. But Colin ran pretty well against Alabama last year, despite the fact that he wasn't 100%. You get the bye week, get him fresh. You know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But, you know, I think all of us right now, I think if we're being even the truest of the true maroon, and there are a lot of us, we're thinking, you know what, we're not going to beat Alabama. But if we can survive that game, go out there and be competitive and then win the last two, we're 6-6, six and six, we're both eligible, then we'll get a chance to go win a ball game somewhere. Winning that Arkansas game makes all this possible. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed, too, and, and it's uh, – I want to be careful how I say this because I don't want anybody to think I'm coming off preachy. I, I get accused of that sometime. I don't know that I agree with it. But uh, but it was – it's interesting. There's there's a segment of people that are like, hey, you know what, if uh, if Moorhead doesn't win the Arkansas game, you know, then uh, we should fire him on the spot. Well, number one, we've got more class than that. And number two, that, uh, you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I know that there is some frustration around football this year, but I, one of the things that, to me, the more frustrating stuff is the fact that we had the Tudor Gate 10 situation. We've had some injuries. That's part of the game. But now we're getting ready to move down the home stretch, and, and now we're beginning to kind of get that stuff handled. We're beginning to kind of reach the end of all of that. We're getting some people healthy again. We're getting the Tudor Gate 10 scandal behind us. They had 10 guys that's been in for eight games. Well, they've sat for six. They'll sit for Alabama, they'll sit for Abilene Christian, and then they'll be 100% available for the home game against Ole Miss. And so we're getting down to this, the home stretch. You're beginning to get healthy. You're beginning to get the full complement of your roster back. And I think if you saw how this team looked on Saturday, 
would we did have Lee Autry, but you had Willie Gay back, you had Marcus Murphy back, and and Willie, to me it seemed like Willie Gay was everywhere. Every time there was a tackle made within two yards of the line of scrimmage, it seemed like number six is in there, knifing through, making a play, pushing a pushing an offensive lineman back into the mix. I mean, it was just you know I thought Willie Gay really played well. He didn't fill up the stat sheet, but it just to me it seemed like he had a hand in everything. Marcus Murphy early in the ball game had a couple of bad plays. First career college start for him. We're not going to judge him too harshly, but he's a guy that we had anticipated kind of taking over a starting position at safety this year. Uh, that hadn't happened, you know, for uh, for a couple of reasons. You know, he misses a tackle on Raheem Boyd's first first play. Went a little bit low, and that listen, I don't blame you for going low on Raheem Boyd. He's a star. I love that guy. He's an NFL guy. Then he takes a bad angle on the uh, the Raheem Boyd touchdown. But he'll be better for that. Martin, that's about reps. You know what I'm saying? That's just getting some experience. And then Marcus essentially baits a quarterback in a throw in a pick six. See, that's what that, that's what you see. You see that with Marcus Murphy, and you begin to think, okay, there's just some natural ability there and some ability to absorb coaching that sets that play up. You know, Marcus Murphy on that first play against Raheem Boyd, he was where he needed to be. It's just his tackling technique wasn't what it should be. The second time, he just got took took a bad angle, and an, an experienced, talented player took advantage of his inexperience there. But when you begin to think about what this defense can be here in a few weeks with Lee Autry and Willie Gay and Marcus Murphy out there on the field with uh, with Chauncey Rivers and Errol Thompson and Leo Lewis and Cameron Dantzler and Brian Cole, who continues to play pretty well, then you begin to think about, you know what? It's kind of trending in the right direction, at least this season. We've, we have had some difficulties. We are on the downstroke. It's as simple as that. The, the, the worst is behind us. Now it's a matter of winning a couple more ball games, And there's certainly a couple winnable games out there, for sure. I want to welcome a new sponsor for this week. Uh, we've got, and I'm going to speak to you guys too. We're going to be real candid about a couple things here, but this is a family show, so we're not going to get uh, not going to get too uh, too wild out there. But guys, I want to welcome Manscaped.com uh, to the program. They're uh, sponsoring the program this week, and uh, listen, here's the deal: it's a new day in time. Okay, guys, you got to take care of your business. It's as simple as that. Uh, men's hygiene, manscaping has become you know a pretty you know prominent part of a guy's hygiene. Manscaped has a redesigned electric tr- trimmer. It's called the Lawnmower 2.0 of all things. Skin safe technology, so it won't it won't nick or snag. Manscaping accidents are really a thing of the past. Give our friends at Manscaped an opportunity to help you, because listen, let me, the significant others in your life will thank you. They will be very, very happy that you're taking steps to improve your hygiene. 85% of women think bad grooming is a major turnoff. Guys, we don't want that. That's Dr. Drew. You know Dr. Drew from Loveline. 80% of women think men should manscape below the belt. There's an independent study there. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to professional success. That's Business Wire. To give you a little incentive here, our friends at Manscaped, 
They're going to offer you 20% off as well as free shipping by using promo code BULLDOGS. That's B-U-L-L-D-O-G-S at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Just use the promo code BULLDOGS. Join all the other guys that are helping themselves. It's a great special offer just for Boneyard listeners. 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Again, promo code BULLDOGS. That's what we do here on the Boneyard. We'll give you those promo codes so you can try these things. And listen, I know this is not something you're going to want to talk about. And I'll be honest with you, it's one of those things, too, that a lot of guys struggle with. So go check them out, manscaped.com. Use promo code BULLDOGS. Get you some uh, discounted products on the way for free. Okay, so let's look at, let's go ahead and break down the game a little bit here. And again, it started with a bang. That's one of the things we've talked about on this show for the last you know, couple of weeks is that State has to win the first quarter. State now 4-0 when they are at worst tied after the first quarter. When State scores in the first quarter, we're 4-0. In games we haven't, 0-5. So let's jump in here real quickly and run through this. Uh, so the big thing for me, you know, it's like we have the we have the the, the kickoff return. We kind of mismanaged that whole thing, you know. We returned it out at 18 yards, 18 yard line. You know, if we fair catch it, it's the 25. We talked about that. We did fair catch it a little bit, but so so we get a less than desirable kickoff return, and the very first thing we do is a false start. So we're already first and 15 at our own 13 yard line, and I, I know everybody was thinking, "Here we go again." That has been typical of road games this year for Mississippi State. We go on the road, we get behind the chains, we get a bad kick return, we're backed up deep, and I don't think we've won a toss all year. I don't think we have won a toss all year long. And so as a result, just about think everybody's deferred, so they kick off, and then we shoot ourselves in the foot. And those of you that were still kind of absorbing the fact that Tommy Stevens was back in the starting lineup, all of a sudden you're thinking, here we go. This is Auburn and Tennessee all over again. And I'll be honest with you, there's a part of me, I wonder, I felt the same way. And Tommy goes for one yard, and it seemed like they were all over him. It seemed like we had a complete bust on the left side. So now it's second, 14 from the 14. And then we, then Tommy Stevens gets loose. And I thought he looked more decisive as a runner in this ball game than he has all year. That's one thing that I have said. He's, he keeps you honest, but he's not a plus runner. I thought he looked like a plus runner. On Saturday, he's running through people, looked a little bit like Nick Fitzgerald out there at times, not just because of the number seven, but he would get behind his pads when the play was over and just run through some people. There were a couple times that he pulled up he probably should have kept going, but considering Garrett Schrader's situation, maybe it was best to, uh, in discretion, it's a better part of Aller sometimes. But we get the first down there, and Tommy runs again for six, and then Colin gets loose for 62. 62 yards. Cameron Curl runs him down, kind of slings him down out of bounds. Uh, Cameron Curl, former corner, moved to safety. Uh, State simply gashed them there. Matt Wyatt does a great job kind of breaking that stuff down. Really thought he he showed the symphony of offensive line play, and it gets it gets lost so much. That's one of the things I love about football is watching people like Matt Wyatt that know the game. And you go back and look at this film study because there's a lot of people out there that can talk football. But I love when people explain exactly how things kind of break loose there. And uh, that was so incredibly well-designed. Kylan gets loose, 62 yards. like to see Kylan take that to the house. But listen, defensive backs are generally the fastest players on the field. That's a long way to run for number eight, but he did. Tommy Stevens rushed for a negative one, and then Kylan's in for the score. 
and the sideline erupted. I don't mean just like a normal touchdown. There was just a lot of angst and frustration that I think was kind of released released in that moment. Very, very excited on the sidelines, to say the least. So we finally score on our first drive for the first time since the Southern Miss game. And again, that's the last game where Tommy Stevens was 100%. Arkansas comes out, and that's the Rakeem Boyd play where he runs through Marcus Murphy there, uh, 22 yards, and then I'm thinking, okay, we're about to have a shootout. Boyd for three, then there's, he's incomplete with Ben Hicks, in, in, incomplete again, and then they punt, and uh, we get the touchback there. And so I'm thinking we're not pinned back deep. We kind of catch a break with the punt going long. And we did something we hadn't done in a long time. We put together back-to-back scoring drives when it mattered. When it mattered. It's easy to score sometimes in mop-up duty, but we went out there on the road. We're looking to punt. We've already punched them in the mouth. Now we're coming back with that body blow. What do we do? Stevens runs for 11. We're incomplete to Farad. Stevens runs for 6. Then we're complete to Gidry for 8, who has played much better. Uh, Colin Hill for 5. Colin for 2. Tommy Stevens for 4. We're incomplete to Zuber. Stevens for 5. You're beginning to kind of catch on here. We've got some design runs for Tommy Stevens. We're trying to take some of that pressure off Colin Hill because everybody knows 8 is the biggest bullet in the Bulldog gun. And so everybody's going that way. So we kind of used their aggressiveness against them and gashed them with some quarterback runs. Nick Gibson goes for four. Colin Hill for one to get the first down there. That's on the fourth and one play. And I was really glad that Joe did that. We're kind of in no man's land there. And even though I think Jace Mike could have snuck a field goal in there, I thought this was one of those chances for Joe and the offensive line to kind of make a statement that we're here to win the football game. We didn't come to look cute. We're not just here because it's on the schedule. We're here to win a football game. So we can we can we convert the fourth and one, and just as they're a little bit gassed, I guess you could say, because there's so much emotional energy that goes into plays like that. Because everybody knows, hey, they're challenging our manhood here. They're trying to go up here and, and prove they can just run the football over us. And so you win that emotional down. And I thought the play calling was great. You go right after that, we're taking the shot. Tommy Stevens throws it up. Osiris Mitchell goes up and gets it. I thought Tommy threw a great ball there. Could have been a little bit better. Throws a little bit on the inside. But when you've got a big guy like Osiris Mitchell that can go up and elevate the way that he can, you just kind of got to get it into his catch radius and let him make a play. And that's exactly what happened. We talked about the explosion after the first touchdown. Uh, It was uh, like the uh, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony down the stretch on the sidelines. I mean, you talk about an explosion of, of emotion. It was almost like, you know what? We're fixing to run these guys out of their own stadium. Nobody said that, but that's how you felt. It, we were running wild, and I began to kind of look around that stadium, and uh, I tweeted out the other Arkansas fans that are here. There aren't a whole lot of them here. I would say 40,000, 45,000 combined with the Mississippi State fans. There was nobody on that visitor side of our deck. I mean, maybe 100 people. Uh, but any – Home field advantage due to a home crowd was absolutely negated. State takes the crowd out of the ball game completely. They're just waiting around for homecoming. They just want to see who the homecoming queen is so they can go home. Uh, the defense, who didn't get enough credit on Saturday, as soon as we get the score, as soon as we get the second score, they get a three and out. Three plays, two yards, one minute, 32 seconds of possession. They have to punt. 
And at this point, I'm thinking, we're about to knock these guys out. They can't stop us. They can't do anything offensively. It's amazing what confidence does. Amazing. Nick Gibson goes for eight. Nick Gibson goes for seven. We're complete to Dedrick Thomas for 17. Tommy runs for three. Nick goes for three. Tommy for six. Cowan for 12. Nick for three. I mean, listen to this. Every one of those positive plays back to back to back to back to back. Every single one of them. Not a negative play in the lot. Multiple players making plays. Multiple guys making a contribution. And so we get that we we get to end the first quarter, and Mississippi State is already at the Arkansas twelve, already up fourteen to nothing, dominating time of possession, dominating every statistical category. We finally have a negative play. We get Gidry open for a touchdown, and we've scored on that play multiple times this year. And Tommy just missed him. Tommy threw over the top, just missed him, had him open. Gidry's going to score there. So we have an incompletion there, and Tommy runs for four, and we end up kicking the field goal. And uh, Joe Moorhead, I don't know that he was a big fan of Tommy sliding right there. I think he could have put his foot in the ground and cut it back inside and probably got the first down. But in hindsight, you probably don't want Tommy taking that unnecessary hit. If he's 100% and and Garrett's 100%, maybe you feel a little bit different. I I didn't get the, the, uh, the sense that Joe was a big fan of sliding there. But it's 17 nothing. Jace, uh, converts there. It's a 17-0 ball game. And then what happens? What does Mississippi State do? Mississippi State defense goes right back out there and gets you another three and out. Three plays, eight yards, eight, eight, three, three plays, eight yards, one minute, 27 seconds off the clock. We mishandle the punt return, let it get loose, and it goes for 59 yards, mainly on a roll. But we're backed up. Backed up inside our, our inside our own ten for the first time of the day. Colin goes for two. Stevens for no. We're incomplete to Gidry. Just and, but I think I think every bit of that, despite the fact we had a seventeen nothing lead, I think a lot of that came from the fact that we mishandled the punt return there. We mishandled that Malik Deer, let it go, and it gets loose from him. So we're backed up. So so all of a sudden, rather than us have a chance to really get out there and get going. We had to be a little more conservative play calling wise, and it showed. Tucker Day gets a 50-yard punt for us with a negative yard, one-yard return. Javante Payton, who has really become a special teams star on coverage, he gets blocked in the back just about every time down because he beats for somehow somehow he finds his way to knife through and get in there and make plays. I've yet to see them that call them for blocking him in the back, but if you watch, when you go back and watch, it's just about every time. He's the first guy down, he gets shoved in the back, and they don't get the call. I don't know why that is. This time he goes down there, makes a play. Great, great job. Negative one on a return from Traylon Burks. Arkansas comes in, complete to Trey Knox. And they I, I want to say this too because I think it's important because this is not – I'm going to say this about Arkansas because I think our fans need to hear it. I hope I never see a day that I'm at Davis Wade Stadium and one of our Mississippi State players – is treated like Ben Hicks was by the Arkansas crowd. Ben Hicks did not sign himself. Ben Hicks was a grad transfer from SMU that came to Arkansas to reunite with Chad Morris with an opportunity to win the starting job and to save Arkansas football. That was his quest. He came in to run the scheme and to help help Arkansas get to a ball game this year. That's what's happened. What well, didn't work out for him. 
Okay, and, and he's been hurt some. He's, he's struggled to compete against SEC speed. But when he took the field after that drive, to begin that drive, after, after State uh, had to punt there, the Arkansas fans booed him as he came on the field. They booed him. Yeah, 20, 21-year-old kid. It's not his fault that Arkansas made a, made a bad hiring decision. You know, it's not his fault that Arkansas made a bad hiring decision before Chad Morris was there. It's not his fault that Bobby Petrino uh, got a little loose and fast and had a uh, you know an extramarital affair with a staffer up there. That's got nothing to do with Ben Higgs. But I understand the frustration Arkansas fans feel. But this is the guy that showed up to try to help things. And he gets booed on the field. And he responds with a pass complete to Trey Knox for nine, year, for nine yards. And this is when Rakeem Boyd gets loose. And they have a 52-yard touchdown touchdown run. And you can see what a good player Rakeem Boyd was. A great, great play. They're back in the ballgame at 17-7. And I think everybody was a little bit nervous, okay, at that point. Thinking, you know, we need to find a way to go answer this. And that's exactly what the Bulldogs did. Colin Hill for seven. And Colin gets loose for 37. And that, you know, that, that reverse action, that end-around action that we ran – it was dynamite, absolutely dynamite. And when you've got a team that everybody's so focused on Colin, uh, you've got the opportunity to kind of give him some room to uh, to create some hesitation, and we took advantage of that. Tommy Stevenson complete to Isaiah Zuber for 27, nearly scored there. Nick Gibson goes for three. Tommy Stevens loses a yard. Arkansas calls timeout. Colin goes in for two. It's a touchdown. Now it's 24-7. Now we're thinking, okay, I don't know that these guys can stop us without our help. Arkansas comes right back, struggles again offensively. You do get the one completion to open the drive. Marcus Murphy with a good tackle there. Then they run for four, run for a loss of two, and then uh, incomplete to Mike Woods. They have to punt, and we, we muffed the punt. I believe this puff, this puff, this punt was muffed because of what happened the time before. I'm sure when he went to the sidelines, like, you can't let that ball roll loose. And so he was bound to determine to get it. You got a wobbling ball falling down of a high sky. It wasn't a cloud in the sky, guys. It was a beautiful day in northwest Arkansas. I mean, beautiful. It was cold, but it was a beautiful day. But there was a high sky there. And uh, he lost the ball in the sun. And, uh, you know, you got to make that play. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know what you've got to do, but you've got to make that play. But it gave them new life. They couldn't do anything with it. You know, they, they rush for one yard and have back-to-back incompletions. Uh, Jaquarius Landers nearly picks off a ball there. And they kick the field goal, and it's 24-10. to 10. And I remember tweeting at the time. I said, you know what? Any points a state can get right here are huge because Arkansas gets the ball first out of the half. And so I always kind of assumed the score. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, well, if they get the ball first and go down and score, it's a 24-17 ball game. Rather than having to worry about that, State essentially puts the game away here in the final five minutes of the second quarter. Colin Hill, 58 yards. We run that, again, run that reverse action stuff with him. 58 yards down to the Arkansas 26. Right now we're thinking, man, we got a chance to at least get a field goal here. We're already down there on the other end of the field. Then Nick goes for 21. Nick goes for four. Tommy for no gain. Colin for one for the touchdown. The extra point is good. It's 31 to 10. And at this point, I think everybody in the country knew this ball game was over. I think everybody knew, you know what, this is simply going to be a matter of what Joe Moorhead and Mississippi State want the final score to be. 
Arkansas comes in. Uh, Hicks is complete to Mike Woods, incomplete. And the next thing you know, Marcus Murphy steps in front, takes it back to the house, and then the boos rain down unmercifully. It is then 38-10. to 10. And everybody in Mississippi was uh, was pretty happy. And I can tell you, those brave Bulldog fans that made the trip up there, and, and my hat is off to every one of you guys and gals for sure, because there were a lot of people. There were a lot of Mississippi State fans. You know what? I'm, I'm not even going to go to a game at Davis Wade Stadium. I'm sure not going to travel to Arkansas. So for those of you that did, you were vocal. You were treated to a great offensive performance. And uh, while you may not hear it from uh, players and fans and coaches and all that kind of stuff, I'll, I'll tell you, as a Mississippi State guy, it made me proud to see you guys there. I had a lot of family in the stands myself and uh, was happy to see a, you know, a beautiful day but an even better ball game. So Arkansas comes back out here, and uh, this is after it's 38-10. Just not much going on there. Uh, they bring in uh, John Stephen Jones. I guess that's Jerry Jones' grandson. He comes in, complete for six, incomplete, incomplete, and then they punt. Zuber gets the fair catch. And uh, essentially, we trade punts, and we, we get into the half. And it's a 38-10 ball game. I think everybody was thinking, you know, how much more can we get? You know, we beat these guys you know, 52-6 to last year. Are, are we going to surpass that total? Well, you know, And we did. Uh, we absolutely did. And, and we could have put up probably another 20, 30 points. It seems like we really took our foot off the gas and called the dogs off. And again, Chad Morrison and John Chambers are fortunate. Steve Robertson wasn't sitting up there uh, with the headset on because we, we'd have been throwing deep late. Trying to inspire some confidence in this team. Colin Hill comes back for seven. His only negative run of the day. On second and three, he goes for a loss of two yards. The only negative run of the day for Colin Hill. Tommy Stevens completed Dedrick Thomas for 42 yards on a tunnel screen. Probably could have scored. <laughs> you know, it's like if he makes one cut and keeps going to the outside, probably scores. Tommy's, then Tommy runs for 12, Colin for four, and then we're complete to Farad for three. It was essentially, if you go back and look at play calling, and those of you that are students of the game, and I believe I'm correct on this, if you go back and look at the first and goal play when we ran Kyle, and we essentially ran the same play except we pull it and throw it. Same play, same formation, everything. Same action. And uh, you basically run the play except you know we pull it and throw it at Farad for a touchdown. Great play by Farad. Uh, it's a guy that's played really hard for us, gets rewarded with a score there. 45 to 10, and that's when all the tweets started, uh, you know, about firing Chad Morris. And I asked a couple of staffers on our sideline, do you think do you think John Chavis survives the weekend? I mean, you know, goodness. I mean, this is let's be let's be fair, okay? As fun as this was, Mississippi State has not been a good offensive team this year. You have them coming to your house for homecoming, and a lot of people in the national media are saying, you know what, this may be Arkansas's last chance to win an SEC game. And as much as we hated to hear that, it's true. I'm sure they saw like Tennessee. Mississippi State was better than Tennessee. And we go up there and laid an egg and they won the ball game. They were probably expecting a similar performance from us, that we would show up there and be unprepared and give them a chance to win the ball game. And now here you are within just minutes of uh, the homecoming queen being crowned and it's 45 to 10 in a game that some people within the media said, you know, that you may have a chance to win this game. 
it's uh, one of those things I look at and I begin to ask myself, you know, if you read social media, which is a mixed bag, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Because there are a lot of people that uh, are often in error but never in doubt. Got a lot to say. Don't know, don't know a whole lot, but they got a lot to say. And so they'll convince you that, oh, you know, the Mississippi State is just awful, you know. And some of that really is just, it's, we're so scared that we're going to go back to what we once were. I just don't subscribe to that. I just don't. I think when you begin to look at the fact that some of the things we've had to navigate this year with the Tudor Gate 10 and all the injuries, and, and as I said many times, the injuries are part of the game. You know, healthy Tommy Stevens, I just think it's a different year. And that's no slight at Garrett Schrader, who shouldn't be playing. He should have played his four games and been able to preserve his redshirt year, but that's not the circumstances that unfolded for us this year. But a healthy Tommy Stevens, it's a different year. We still may be able to salvage something out of this, and I'll get to that a little bit later. Arkansas comes back, and, uh, you know, that's when they have the, the touchdown pass, and uh, we, we should have been able to get off the field there. But a couple times we had a chance to make a play, we didn't make it. I don't know. I don't know if it's focus or finish or whatever, but I really thought that P.I. on third and seven was an absolute gift to Arkansas. They call Cam Dancer for the P.I. They're locked up. The receiver goes out of bounds, and uh, it's clearly a timing route there. And as Cam comes back and recognizes that he tries to go get it, the receiver, Trey Knox, grabs Cameron Dantzler's arm to prevent him from going to picking the pass off. I really thought at the time they were going to call offensive pass interference. And then he goes over and explains to Joe, the side judge, that, uh, well, he's got to allow him to come back in. He's got to allow him to come back in. Well, the issue with that is is that uh, he's an ineligible receiver now. And so all of that, you know, it was just an unfortunate situation, but uh, it extended the drive because that was a third and seven play. And then they may have gone for it on fourth down, but uh, basically the drive was was extended due to that penalty. A little bit dubious, I guess. And then State gets the ball and we get on the move again. It's a uh, you know, 45-17 ball game headed to the fourth quarter. There was there was no doubt about the outcome. It was just going to be a matter of what the final score was. Tommy, incomplete to Zuber, complete to Austin Williams for 11 yards. Good to see uh, an Austin Williams sighting. Good to, to uh, Jaquarius Spivey. Nice little catch and run out there on the uh, on the outside. Then Colin for five, Colin for four. Tommy runs for one. And then they, uh, they call him for the legal forward pass, and he was across the line a yard and a half. It's a great play. I wish that wish that would have counted. That's when he tossed the ball to Nick Gibson and Gibson, Gibson flips into the end zone. And then we're incomplete to uh, Javante Payton, and we kicked the field goal to make it a 48-17 ball game. Both of those field goal drives, one play away from both of them being touchdowns. And I don't just mean, well, you know, any play could have been a bomb. What I'm saying is you're, you're, you're a yard away. You're a cut away from this ball game being even worse. Should have been 56 at that point. Okay, Arkansas brings in K.J. Jefferson, and he was the guy Mississippi State recruited to play quarterback. Garrett Schrader was already committed at one and two quarterback class, and K.J. wanted to go be the guy somewhere. Chad Morrison kind of sold him on being the next to Sean Watson, so he goes up there. Wish this guy the best. It's like there are a lot of guys in Mississippi 
I, I want them all to do well, not at Mississippi State's expense. But I'll tell you, K.J. Jefferson, a really, really solid guy. A really solid guy. Good player. Great guy. Great family. And even though that it was a touchdown against us, thankfully the touchdown didn't matter. I was happy for the kid. He comes in, runs for 21. Boyd goes for 17, completes the trailing Burks for 32. And if Dancer gets his head around, you might be able to knock that one down or pick it off. Cam said he just turned to the wrong shoulder. You know, he was looking outside and ball came inside and uh, just couldn't get there. Um, and a great play by, by Trillin Burks there. And Jefferson rushed in for a touchdown. But State answered. You know, it, and Nick Gibson, and I probably, it was probably the right thing to go ahead and pull Colin from the game. And I know that he was in reach of the school record. I knew Nick Fitzgerald set the uh, the single-game rushing record against Ole Miss back in 2016. But that was within reach. No no reason to risk further injury, you know, especially with the, you know, three ball games coming up, State's got to play well in. But uh, Nick Gibson, 28 yards. Then he runs for no game. Then he gets loose for 47. And I tell you, when I saw the replay and I saw him diving for the goal line, I'm reminded it was a couple times last year he comes up just short of the goal line, doesn't get the benefit of the score. He dives for the goal line, gets in, very grateful uh, for his efforts and very happy for him. Three yards, three plays, pardon me, 75 yards. Uh, Nick Gibson does it all, absolutely does it all. K.J. Jefferson's second drive, not nearly as successful as the first one. Penalized for a substitution infraction. They run for five, incomplete. And the pass was really incomplete. It wasn't just narrowly incomplete. There was no question about it. And Spivey rushes for 11, and then Martin Emerson forces a fumble, and Willie Gay Jr. jumps on it. Uh, great team defense there. And, it, you know, that Martin Emerson's going to be a star for us. I'm, I'm, anytime I see him out there, I'm always thinking, you know what, we get to benefit this guy for three more years. Uh, we get a chance to run the clock out. We do. Get our some of our young guys in the ball game. Tommy Stevens complete to Brad Cumbus. Then we uh, then we go to Witherspoon for two. Witherspoon for nine. Witherspoon for nine. Witherspoon for one. Tommy Stevens complete to Cumbus for eight. Witherspoon for three. Malik Deer goes for two. You know, and so again, no matter who we're putting in there, we're running the football and we're running successfully. Saw Nick Penley get in there and do some good things. Uh, Charles Cross is in the ball game, if I'm not mistaken. You know, it's just one of those things. No matter who we put in, we got some success. Everybody a chance to kind of build some confidence. And then Logan Burnett comes in on third and six. Complete to Malik Deer out in the flats. Malik gets it a 10 for the first down. We're able to run the clock out. Logan Burnett entered the transfer portal today. Try to share that with you if we can. This is it. This is not anything to do with Mississippi State. Logan Burnett getting ready to go to grad school and uh, going to be doing some recruiting visits during the bye week. And so in order to do that, he's got to be in a transfer portal. And so he's going to rejoin the team. He's going to be around for the uh, the final three ball games. He'll be there on the sidelines. He is a great teammate. The guys all love him. So, But anytime somebody sees the transfer portal, then people think, oh, well, he's unhappy. Logan Burnett has, from what I'm told, a pretty unique academic opportunity. I don't want to put it out there because I don't want to jinx it for him. But he's got a chance to go to grad school that's pretty prestigious. And so very, very happy for him. But he will be back and be part of the team for the remainder of this year. He will graduate in December. 
and then head off to grad school. And we wish him the absolute best and appreciate his contributions to Mississippi State. So that's your final, 54-24. State wins going away. Absolutely thrilled about that, as you are as well. We've got a couple ball games left. We mentioned the uh, there's still something left to play for. You know, with all the adversity Mississippi State's had and all the injuries and the Tudor Gate stuff and all that kind of stuff, it, it boils down to two games now. It really boils down to one game. And I, I'm not going to short sell Mississippi State and say we can't beat Alabama, but I have no no delusions about us beating Alabama. I think Alabama is just at another level right now. But you never know after, after the LSU ball game. That game might prove to be pretty competitive. It is going to be here, and I think our team coming off a of bye week, I, you know, I don't think it's going to be what we saw in 2016 and we go over there and Jalen Hurts just carved Mississippi State up. I don't expect that. I also don't expect Tommy Stevens, uh, you know, to play the way that he has, you know, through the middle of the season. I think we'll see a better brand of him. But he's got to get rid of the ball quick, especially against Alabama. We expect to lose that game. We expect to beat Abilene Christian. It boils down to the Egg Bowl. The Egg Bowl is always interesting. I'm reminded that there's been a couple times this decade that we've gone into that game needing to win that game to achieve bowl eligibility. And both times we've done it. Both times, back in 2011 and 2013. Generally, the team that has something to play for wins that ball game. Generally. Hadn't always been the case. But I believe if we go into that ball game five and six with the opportunity to win to go to go to a bowl game, I th- I believe that our seniors will rise to the occasion, and we'll go win the ball game. Our good friends at Campus Bookmark, they're here to serve you as uh, you prepare to make your Christmas purchases and your holiday purchases, and you're ready to outfit your family in the latest maroon and white fashions. You can find all that at Campus Bookmark here in Starkville, Mississippi. If you can't make it to town, or perhaps game day is not a good shopping day for you, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. We'll give you a promo code to save you a little money. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. I'm going to be with my friends Campus Bookmart this Thursday in Jackson at the Mistletoe Marketplace from 12 to 3. Please come by and say hello. Miss Kathy Brown, Stan Ray, the lovely, talented Susie, everybody, happy to serve you. Bulldogs in their own right, serving Bulldogs. Go by and get the latest Mississippi State fashions and novelty items for your home, your RV, your office, your pet, whatever. Anything that's got a Mississippi State logo on it, they can get it if they don't have it already, and chances are they probably do. That's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. So quickly, let's look around the league here. You know, a big, 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 big ball game between Florida and Georgia. You know, it's one of those things, too. It's like, you know, I really believed that Florida would find a way to win the ball game because I thought Georgia's offensive struggles would continue. I know Todd Grantham uh, has had some struggles against them, but I I really felt like that he would find a way. They didn't find a way. Uh, There were times it seemed like Georgia was the much better team. And one of the things, I want to share some numbers with you. Because a lot of people said, well, you know, Dan Mullen went to Florida to have a smoother path to get to Atlanta. And the numbers certainly bear that out. You know, going to the SEC East, he doesn't have to play Alabama every year. He does have to play LSU every year. Doesn't have to play Auburn every year. And so there is an easier path. And what's interesting about that 
is if you look at the, in the, let's take the last 10 years, three of the top four winning percentages in the Southeastern Conference or SEC Western Division teams, Alabama, LSU, Auburn. The one team in the East, you can guess it, is Georgia. Now let's look at the, the worst winning percentages in the SEC. The bottom three teams in the last decade, when it came to winning percentage, you can guess them, all three from the East. Tennessee, Kentucky, Vanderbilt. And so you go to Florida, you don't have to play Alabama, you don't have to play Auburn, two of the winningest teams in the conference. You do have to play LSU as an annual opponent. You could dig up play Georgia. But you look at Georgia's perspective, they don't have to play LSU, they do have to play Auburn. But by and large, the path to Atlanta is a lot less treacherous in the SEC East because you get the benefit of playing Tennessee, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. That's three wins right out of the gate. And if you just happen to catch Ole Miss on your schedule, chances are that's four wins right out of the gate. That's interesting to me. Also of note, too, if you look at the last 10 years, the SEC Western Division teams have won over 100 games more than those in the SEC East. According to our crack research staff here at the Boneyard, the SEC Western Division teams over the last decade have combined to win 644 games. 644. SEC Eastern Division teams have combined to win 540. In the last decade, the SEC's also SEC West has also crowned six national champions. You got Alabama in 17, Alabama in 15. Alabama in 12, Alabama in 11, Auburn in 10, Alabama in 9. You go back a couple more years and you get LSU at 07. Florida wins in 06 and 08. That's part of that SEC run there. But, you know, over half of the SEC, uh, half of the national champions in the last decade have come from the SEC West. And so when you begin to think about what's the easier road, what's absolutely in the East, and then the one game Florida had to win was Georgia. They didn't. And now they're essentially two games out. You know, and I, I'm, I'm not completely sold that Florida's going to win out. Georgia wins 24-17. One of the things that I don't think most people realize either is Florida has not recruited at the level Florida normally does in the last two years. This 2019 signing class, the Gators, had some non-qualifiers that will likely never return to Gainesville, and they've already had some players transfer. And so what, the, what their signing ranking was on signing day is not what it was on reporting day and certainly not what it is now. And so at some point, you're going to have to play with those players. You're going to have to go play games. And as I've said many times on this show, it's not who you sign that gets you beat. It's not the kids you don't get that get you beat. It's the kids you sign that can't play that get you beat. Just something to watch. Been covering recruiting a long time. A&M knocks off Texas San Antonio with pretty with ease, 45-14. I, don't know, I know San Antonio had a lead early and people were freaking out. It's a four-quarter game. The next time some non-conference opponent goes up a score in the first quarter, please don't tweet about it. Auburn knocks off Ole Miss 20-14. It's interesting that you know people were talking about that ball game, so I went back and watched the replay last night. Uh, it was not the game. I was surprised when I saw the, the statistical – comparison between the two teams once I saw the score. You know, Auburn wins 20-14. to 14. Auburn was favored by 19 and didn't even come close to covering. But when you go back and look at this, 
it's like Auburn couldn't get out of their own way. It's, uh, you know, Bo Nix, 30 of 44 for 340 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. They didn't have Booby Whitlock, and they still went 507 yards of offense. Are you kidding me? 507 in a 20-14 to 14 ball game? How does that happen, Gus? How do you put up that much, that those kind of numbers and not get an end zone? They missed three field goals, and they had the uh, you know had you know, had some turnovers in the ball game. I mean, it's like, but listen, give Ole Miss credit; they hung around. They just don't have the offensive firepower. Plumlee's eleven for twenty-one for eighty-six yards and an interception on the last play. One of the things that I said last year, after watching him in the Mississippi Alabama All Star practices, is that I did not think he was an SEC quarterback. I just did not think he had the passing ability or the accuracy uh, to make those throws. An incredible athlete, no doubt. I thought he'd be a great slot receiver or a safety. I liked him better as a slot receiver because I think you want to keep the ball in his hands. He's an explosive runner. You put him in the ball game, and he goes 11 of 21 with an average completion of four-point yards per, per throw, 4.1. Matt Corral goes in the ball game three of six, just 13 yards. They didn't have a 100-yard rusher. I still don't know what's going on with Scotty Phillips, man. I know he's been a little bit banged up. That guy's a lot better than I think people anticipated him being. But uh, you know, Plumlee goes for 92 yards rushing and Ely 44. And nobody's going to make a living running football against Auburn. But then when you factor in Marlon Davidson wasn't in the ball game, it makes me wonder, you know, what 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 really happened here? You know, it's like Auburn's missing their starting safety and one of their best defenders, in Marlon Davidson. And uh, you you still you know you, you couldn't make hay there. I think it's really kind of a microcosm that Auburn is really good defensively and Ole Miss is very one-dimensional offensively. UAB goes to uh, Tennessee and gets smacked thirty to seven. Tennessee's turned it around completely. Might be a good thing long term. I still lament the fact that we went there and blew the ball game. South Carolina takes care of Vanderbilt twenty-four to seven. So that's the weekend, and uh, now we get ready to kind of move forward. So bye week again. It'll be you know media access somewhat limited this week. There's just not much going on. Uh, I'm going to be on the road a lot this week. Uh, Start villains doing great, man. Thank you guys so much. I love the reviews. Getting so many people that said, you know what, Steve, I didn't know this story, or I'd forgotten this story. Uh, it's been one of the greatest joys of my life uh, to write that book. And uh, every message that I get, man, it's been so incredibly positive. Very, very grateful. And I've got people now that are they're going back to buying Flim Flam. And you can buy, buy both of those books at StarkVillainsTheBook.com. And then uh, I'll be on the road this week, Wednesday. Uh, I'll get the bone note up for you earlier because I, I will have to be on the road a little bit uh, that morning. I'll be at the Rotary Club in Louisville, Mississippi. Be there early. We'll, and we're gonna, everywhere I go, we're bringing books. Okay, we're going to bring books. We're going to sell them. We're going to sign them. And then on Thursday, I've got two signings. I will be at Mistletoe Marketplace with Campus Bookmart in Jackson from noon until 3. And then that evening from 5 until 8, I will be at Turnrow Books in Greenwood. That's this Thursday. Friday, November the 8th at noon, I'll be at the Rush Hospital Cafeteria Meeting Room in Meridian, Mississippi. And then on Saturday, November 9th, it is an off weekend for us. I will be here in Starkville at Book Martin Cafe from 11 to 3. And as soon as that's over, I'm going to run home and watch Alabama LSU. So I'm out and about, and uh, the boneyard never stops. The grind never stops. 
looking forward to, to seeing you guys this holiday season. Uh, get out, come say hello. Saw some great Bulldogs on Sunday at the Book Martin Cafe author event at the uh, open house downtown in Starville. It was wonderful. Every book signing I've had so far, it's been great. And there's been so many of you guys have come out. And uh, you really know how to make an old boy feel special. So I'll be back on Wednesday. We'll talk about the week that's going on and what's ahead. Mississippi State women's basketball in action tonight. A free exhibition in Humphrey Coliseum. Get out and go check it out if you can. Uh, and then Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys are in action tonight. Tuesday night we'll have men's basketball. So Wednesday we'll have reaction from that. And uh, hopefully you guys can make it out. Be a big part of our season opener at Humphrey Coliseum. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.